0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Ostracon Films with Lost Girls and Love Hotels, starring Alexandra Daddario. A troubled American English teacher explores love and lust on a journey through Tokyo's dive bars and love hotels. Available digitally and on demand now.
1: From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, It's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now, here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
2: Hey, everybody. Nice to see you. Thanks, Jonathan.
1: Thank you, Ophira. Hello.
2: Nice to see you. Yeah, we've got a great show for you. We have, yeah, we are four brilliant contestants. They are backstage right now, pardoning themselves. And getting ready to come out and play our nerdy games And one of them, of course, is going to be our big winner uh, I'm sorry to hear that you didn't win a Tony It's an honor to be nominated, it's though, a, right? That's what they
1: say, it's an honor to be nominated, yeah
2: Have you won other awards?
1: I've won a lot of other awards
2: Give me one award
1: I did, I won, I won the uh, Outer Critics Circle Award Hey Yeah, this is for yeah. my...
2: <laughs> Everybody's
1: like, what is that now? Now, what kind of award is that? it's a theater award I, so I wrote, I wrote uh, some music for the Spongebob Squarepants musical that's right and the score won one of those awards so see
2: yes. there you go yeah. I've won one I've won trophy in my entire life uh, it was in high school in my ballet classes uh, but I won Miss Personality <laughs> which nothing says you're not gonna be a dancer like winning Miss Personality from your ballet school this show is packed. Uh, Rob Sheffield, who is the Rolling Stone music writer, is going to be on our stage talking to us about the songs of summer. Yeah, that's right, exciting! Also, uh, our special guest is Ed Helms. His new movie is called Tag, and it is about a game of tag that a bunch of guys have continued to play into adulthood, which, guess what, I, I, I do the same thing. A bunch of girlfriends from my childhood and I still get together to play this game that we started in elementary school. It's called Escape the Patriarchy. <laughs> um, it's more challenging than we thought, yeah. All right. First, we're going to play a guessing game about the world of academia. Let's meet our contestants. First up, Stephen Bassett. You're an account manager for a travel software company.
3: I am indeed. Hello. Hello.
2: When you ring in, we will hear this. Your opponent is Doug Dale. You work for a toy and gift company. Hello. Hi there. When you ring in, we're going to hear this. Stephen and Doug, the first of you who wins two of our games will go on to our final round. Let's start with a guessing game called Real or Fake Academia. Universities are of course important places where important research gets done sometimes (laughs) and sometimes not so much. So Jonathan and I will describe an academic paper. You ring in and tell us if it is real or something we just made up. But be careful, if you get it wrong, your opponent automatically gets the point. And also, we cannot do anything about your student loans. Okay. Here we go. A study published in the European Journal of Physics concluded that toast does tend to fall butter-side down. Is that a real or fake paper? Doug. Real? Yeah, it's a real paper. Wow. Think about it. European Journal, where there's clearly French scholars Yeah. <laughs> with their butter and their toast. The study fa- actually found that the height of most dining tables and the angle at which the toast falls does not permit enough rotations for the toast to land butter side up.
1: It's just the height of the table.
2: It's just the height of the table. So we just
1: need taller tables. We just
2: need taller tables.
1: <laughs> A French physicist analyzed whether cats should be considered solid or liquid. <laughs> and found that they could be considered either depending on the circumstances. Real or fake?
3: Stephen, That has to be fake. It's real. It's
1: the oh. real... Cats. Yeah. They, they noticed that a cat in an empty sink does take on the shape of the sink like a liquid does.
4: <laughs>
1: but if you fill the sink with water, the cat will escape. It'll be displaced just like <laughs> oh, a solid
3: now I know what to do with my it two It doesn't sound like,
1: like a old. very serious paper, to be honest.
3: <laughs> all
2: I know is that I want to be a physics graduate in France or any other part of Europe. It sounds like they are having a good time. <laughs> putting cats in sinks all the time. <laughs> I know. That's, that's another paper. How to get a cat in a sink. <laughs> By the way, if you're drinking a liquid cat, please use a reusable straw. <laughs> Applying the model
1: of cryptocurrencies, Cambridge economists analyzed Harry Potter's bank, Gringotts, They concluded that wizards could disrupt the value of galleons by conjuring their own magic coins.
3: Real or fake? Stephen, For all the Harry Potter fans, please make it real. I'm sorry, that is fake. (laughs) Talk about the shutout. Wow. (laughs)
2: It's okay. It's all right. (laughs) An Oxford University study concluded that the vast majority of your Facebook friends are not your friends in real life. Is that real or fake? Or is it real or sad?
3: We'll do uh, real or fake. You know I'm gonna jump on it. Take it. Steven, that. are you
2: guys playing together? What's going on here? We were we were like talking in the box, and he's cool. <laughs> oh. Oh, you're friends, oh, that's great. All right,
3: Steven. Um, that you know, i my instinct says one thing, so I'm gonna go with the other because I'm doing so well. It has to be fake. It's real.
2: Oh <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Um, according to the study, Facebook users have an average of 150 friends, but only 4.1 of them are part of a support clique that uh, you could depend on. It really doesn't seem like you would need a study to know this. Yeah, right. You just look at your friends. <laughs> just
1: look at your friends. You're like, who is that?
2: Right. Just, just... <laughs> uh,
1: that's my cousin I don't want to talk to. <laughs> yeah,
2: not, just read their page. Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> how you know who your friends are. A study
1: in the Journal of Sex Research concluded that the booty call is, a quote, "a compromise between the short-term sexual nature of men's ideal relationships and the long-term commitment ideally favored by women." Real or fake? Stephen. Well.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you now, you're D- drawing yourself. upon what I know about human. You know, uh, real. Yes, that is oh! real. You've got it. sweet redemption. <laughs>
1: Just a note, the booty call is distinguished from a one-night stand or a hookup because a booty call requires planning and forethought. Right. Just definitionally, just to clear up what we're talking about.
2: You up is an amazing amount of planning. (laughs) Yeah. It's an amazing amount of planning that went into that text. This is your last clue. The Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis published an article titled The Unsuccessful Self-Treatment of a Case of Writer's Block. It is a single blank page real or fake
0: Doug please be real
2: yeah that's real okay that was a great game everybody Doug well done you are one step closer to the final round you know a trend is over when public radio's talking about it how our next game is about auto-tune. Let's check in with our contestants. Stephen, you used to be a cast member at Disney World?
3: I did indeed used to be a cast member at Disney World. Okay,
2: okay. Excitement. What did you do?
3: I was actually a tour guide at the Magic of Disney Animation when there were artists at the studio park in Florida.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that was
3: Once Upon a Time.
2: Okay. Uh, Right now the artists are off doing other no, things? No, the
3: stormtroopers have taken over the space, and it's actually part of the Star Wars universe, which is starting to take over. Just yeah. the
2: way you said that made it sound very no, evil. No, I, they I, take
3: I, it over by force, or, they, or was that part they of They are the, indeed using the force to take over. Oh, they, boy.
2: Doug, as a man who works in the toy market, what is one of the coolest new toys out there?
0: Uh, well, we just started a Kickstarter for an RBG action figure. Yeah. Really? Okay, Yeah.
2: okay, and uh, is that part of a longer line? There or? is, so
0: um, basically the, like, full democratic wave, so, like, Obama and Warren and Bernie and, like, the, the whole movement. Well, that sounds, like,
2: fun. Okay, let's go to your next game. Have you ever wished that trivia sounded sexier? Well, you're in luck. Because this game is called Auto-Tune the Clues. Yeah. And every answer will contain the sound tune, as in Saskatoon or platoon. Uh, we should know for legal reasons that we are not technically using a real auto-tune filter because we can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, you won the last game, so you win this, and you were in the final round. Stephen, you need to win this or you'll be in tea pain <laughs> Wow. Here we go. Here's your first clue. It's, it's the planet, planet after you doug neptune (laughs) that is correct here's your next one it's a canadian two dollar coin doug a toonie that is correct
0: well done
2: how did you know that doug
0: I've been to Canada?
2: Yeah, I'm from Canada.
0: <laughs> I'm from
2: Canada, so I always wonder how you knew about our secret currency. <laughs> Have you been wondering what a beautiful voice that is in the auto tune? Yeah, who is that singing over? I don't know. Hmm. Here's our next one. <laughs> it's the biggest city in Blair County, Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's the jazziest I've ever gotten. <laughs> Steven. Would that be Altoona? Yes, it is! Yes. You should feel very good about I'm, that. I'm
3: feeling pretty good about that.
2: Anything you take away should be tuna.
3: It is now the next place I'm going when there's a sale. <laughs> <laughs> very
2: good. This is your last clue. It's a delicious fish often sold in cans. Doug. Tuna? Tuna it is. All right, that was very, very, very fun. You guys are amazing. Doug, you have won two games in a row, so you are continuing to our final round. Well
3: done, Doug. Well done.
2: Coming up, we'll talk to Ed Helm, star of the new movie, Tag. And by the way, Jeremy Renner, who is also in that movie, broke both of his arms filming the movie Tag. Jeremy Renner made it through four Marvel movies, two Mission Impossibles, The Bourne Legacy, and a film literally called The Hurt Locker. I'm just saying, actors listening, please think again before auditioning for the movie version of Duck, Duck, Goose, okay? I'm Ophira Eisenberg and this is Ask Me Another from NPR.
5: This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting the next installment of Fargo. Family is complicated. Crime is organized. The all-new Fargo takes you to 1950s Kansas City, where two criminal syndicates have struck an uneasy truce as they both fight for their piece of the American dream. Chris Rock and Jason Schwartzman star in this original tale of immigration, assimilation, and power. The fourth installment of Fargo premieres with back-to-back episodes Sunday, September 27th at 9 p.m. on FX and streams next day FX on Hulu.
1: this is ask me another npr's hour of puzzles word games and trivia i'm jonathan colton now here's your host ophira eisenberg
2: thank you jonathan it's time to welcome our special guest you know him from the daily show the office the hangover trilogy and his new movie is called tag please welcome ed helms Hello! Ed Helms, welcome to Ask Me Another.
6: Thanks so much, Ophira. It's great to be here.
2: So, I met you a bazillion years ago. I had just moved to New York, and you were about to leave New York. Yeah. And let's talk about the time that you did stand-up comedy in New York, which is
6: around the time that I moved here, too. We did many shows together, yeah. Ophira. I was yes. in the early
2: 2000s. You started probably, you were here a little bit before. Uh, yeah, I was, I was
6: late, mid-late mid, 90s.
2: And it was also, there was a comedy club, now defunct, which we both performed at many times down in the village called mm-hmm. the Boston Comedy Club. Right.
6: Ironically, in New York City. In
2: New York City. <laughs> uh, do you have any fond memories of performing at the Boston Comedy Club? Uh,
6: mostly repressed nightmares, <laughs> but uh, no, I spent many years performing there, and I hosted the, the Monday Night New Talent Showcase. Yes. That was, uh, that was like my first real gig and I, I actually loved it. I remember it was on top of uh, the Bagot Inn, which was a, a subterranean bar, and it was so gross. It smelled... The whole club just stank, you know? <laughs> it had that gross, just alcohol, cigarette-y kind of stench. Like
2: vomit, yeah. and then spray a little Lysol over it or yeah, something. Yeah, and,
6: and also some self-loathing mixed <laughs> in there. self-loathing. <laughs> and, some, and just littered with bad yeah. jokes. Um, <laughs> I remember having a moment where I was running up the, those stairs and it was just as gross a night as ever, but I had this feeling like, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I love this. I love comedy. I love comedians. I love this world. And
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that was, I mean, at that specific time, you had to love it because there wasn't... A, like there, a, there wasn't a lot of
6: reinforcement. There you, weren't get, you weren't getting a lot of pats on the back. <laughs>
2: no pats on the
6: and back. And you had to stand out on the sidewalk and scream at people no. to get an audience into the club.
2: And most of the people on stage, you had to bring five people just to get on that stage. You basically paid for stage time.
6: You did, literally. Yeah, you made your friends pay (laughs) for you to get stage time.
2: (laughs) But this ends up leading to an audition for The Daily Show, Yep. which you get, and... What we remember of your tenure on The Daily Show is these amazing field pieces. You were the guy, you did how many field pieces? I can't even imagine.
6: I don't know. Hundreds, hundreds.
2: (laughs) Uh, And the gimmick, nobody knew the gimmick at the time when you were doing it, which is they didn't know that there was a joke happening uh, to them, and you have to play this role of a incredulous, jerky news correspondent (laughs) who is making them very uncomfortable.
6: Yeah, well, I was making myself really uncomfortable too. <laughs> no, I, I'll say this: the well, I don't know. I, I'm a, I grew up in, in, in the South. I'm sort of like uh, in a very sort of appeasing mindset, or or, or or sort of I was just culturally raised to make people feel comfortable. So to and make polite, people, right? yeah, and be polite, and so to make people feel deliberately make people feel uncomfortable <laughs> went against every fiber of my body. But I will say. A lot of the time, I was squirming worse than the person I was interviewing. <laughs> no, but Stephen Colbert had the best advice right before I went on my um, on my very first field piece. I, I asked him what, like, if if he had any advice. He said, uh, "Yeah, just hang your soul up in the closet. <laughs> you can come back for it later." <laughs>
2: so I read that when you were starring in the first Hangover movie of the trilogy, which of course has this moment where you have lost a tooth. This is sort of the beginning of the hangover part of trying to figure it out. uh, That this is a real tooth that you actually went to your dentist and asked him to remove the implant
6: for this. Well, yeah, so... uh, What? Welcome to my acting clinic. (laughs) I'm going to talk to you about a little something I call commitment. Uh, No, (laughs) no. It sounds a lot worse than it was. I had uh, uh, I was born without a tooth there, and so my whole life I had like a, a little flipper, with, yep. and, you know. Th- and then when I was a teenager, I got an implant put in. So when the, this was actually in the script for The Hangover, that the tooth came out. So uh, we tried a couple of things, like blacking it out, and it just looked. It lo- and, di- and to digitally remove it would be too expensive, and so. I was like, well, it is an implant. Why don't I just ask my dentist? And he was like, yeah, sure. And then and <laughs> your dentist can...
2: thought it was funny. So I didn't.
6: He didn't take the implant out. He took the crown
2: off. off. Oh, okay. And then Still.
6: yeah, uh, but then the funny thing is, I was shooting the office concurrently, so I, I he he made these flipper things that I could pop in and out. So the tooth came in and out. And so if you watch, there's certain episodes of The Office where I have like a little bit of a lisp or something, like you can't, and I didn't tell the producers of The Office that I took the tooth out because I knew they'd be really mad. Um, But then I got a fresh new tooth afterwards and the movie paid for it. So there you go. I feel like, yeah. Give it up for cosmetic dentistry.
2: So, in addition to acting, you are a musician. You've been playing banjo in a bluegrass band for 22 years now. Yeah, 22
6: years. Yeah, now? since Ka- since Oberlin. So,
2: Steve Martin is known, of course, as a fantastic banjo player. Kevin Nealon plays banjo. John C. Riley plays banjo. What is it with comedians and comedic actors playing banjo?
6: Um, well, comedians want desperately to be liked as we all know and I think that the banjo is kind of
2: makes up. that harder
6: it's yeah it's, a, it's, it's like um, it's sort of a self-sabotaging right. <laughs> mechanism
2: now the band from 22 years ago that you started in college are same members more yeah. or less same members exactly the,
6: well it's it's three of us three yeah. of us
2: uh, so you're still you still make time to tour with the band?
6: We still get together and play, but we're not like working on stuff. We're usually just doing shots of whiskey and, <laughs> and a- annoying our our significant others.
2: And you're also busy. Obviously, you're you're in a new movie. This new summer movie coming out, Tag, which is about friends playing tag for thirty years. Yeah. But let me ask you this: Just thinking about your band, and then thinking about the premise of this um, movie, Tag, do you think men? to be friends, have to work together on a project?
6: Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> Do you... I mean, it helps. Yeah. It helps to have a, a common interest or something. I don't know about a project. Yeah. For, well, what's, it is kind of... It's interesting that, that you ask those things back to back because my band that you mentioned, the Lonesome Trio, for me really is my tag. You know, tag in the movie is this way that these middle-aged guys still stay in each other's lives and they stay friends and they stay connected through good times and bad times. And it's just a mechanism to be with people that you love and that you care about and that you want to stay connected to.
2: Right. And you can just kind of say this you know, easy thing like, hey, you want to come over and jam? And it feels like not this big thing. Right, right. And then they come over and you can talk about whatever deep or not deep things you have to oh, say. Oh, we
0: get
6: deep.
2: I'm sure you get deep. <laughs> All right, Ed, are you ready to play and Ask Me Another Challenge?
6: I'm so ready.
2: Okay, fantastic. You star in the movie Tag, so your game is about recreational games. Okay. Like Tag, but that have made it big time, like professional leagues, world championships, that kind of thing. And if you do well enough, Jason Grant from Ann Arbor, Michigan, is going to win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Okay, here we go. Tag is a professional sport uh, called World Chase Tag, combining tag with elements of parkour. In chase tag terminology, what do they call the area where the game is played? Is it A, the tag court, B, the flea zone, or C, the chasetorium?
6: Uh, I'm going to say it's not the chasatorium. Um, Too smart? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, but so is professional tag. That's so, right. Um, uh, I'm going to have to say A. I don't remember what it was. The tag it, court. You the are tag correct. tag court. Okay, good. Yeah, that's Yeah, just, yeah. Thank you.
2: Did you know that there's a hide-and-seek world championship?
6: I did not. Not <laughs> surprised. Okay. <laughs>
2: So the Hide and Seek World Championship has been held annually since 2010. Where do you think it is being held? A, at an abandoned Italian village, B, in a Nebraska cornfield, or C, in the showroom section of an IKEA store?
6: Um I'm going to go with the Italian village.
2: You're right. Yes. Right on. So it's an Italian, it's an abandoned Italian village called Consono, and it was once known as Italy's Las Vegas, Uh, shut down in the 60s after a landslide, and I guess people now play hide-and-seek there, and if they win the game, no one finds them, they repopulate the city.
6: (laughs) Doesn't sound very safe to me.
2: (laughs) You're concerned for the safety of hide-and-seek? Yeah. Yeah,
6: Landslides. Landslide.
2: Yeah. But great, behind boulders. You're right. it has got to be great places. Here's your last question. Which of the following is a real publication associated with the tailgating beanbag toss game, Cornhole? It's a real publication. Is it called A, Bag Talk, B, Tossin' Beans, or C, Whole Magazine?
6: Uh, They're they're all loaded with double, if not triple entendre (laughs) potential. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, Tossin' Beans. <laughs> just got a good ring to it.
2: and Beans, I'm, unfortunately, is not associated oh. with cornhole. I don't know what it's associated with. Perhaps camping. Not okay. sure. Uh, the answer... D- double check that. Oh, go okay, to Double check. <laughs> the uh, publication, the real publication, is actually Whole Magazine. Hard to believe that yeah. was still an available title. <laughs>
6: It's also that 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 is just way too broad of a title. It could apply to so many things.
2: <laughs> but this just in, you did amazing. Congratulations, Ed. You and listener Jason Grant both won Ask the Rubik's Cubes. Tag is in theaters on June 15th. Give it up for Ed Helms, everybody. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next game is about candy and famous people. It asks the question, what if celebrity culture wasn't just shallow, but also fattening? (laughs) Let's meet our contestants. First up, Lindsay Martinez. Until recently, you worked for an advertising firm. Hello. Hi. Hi. (laughs) When you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Dara Nolan. You produce a theater awards show. Hello. Hello. When you ring in, we'll hear this. Uh, Lindsay, you are really into jujitsu. Yeah. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What, what draws you to jujitsu?
5: I mean, it's a sport that you don't have to have a lot of physical strength. You just have
1: to be kind of like, smart in your ways of escaping your opponent.
2: Okay. So what's your secret Move or what do you? What do you have? That's a little bit of a cutting edge when it Um, comes to jujitsu.
1: Yeah, sure. I don't have balls, so. (laughs)
2: It's a good trick. Yeah. Dara, you're the theater awards producer.
7: Yes, I produce the Drama Desk Awards.
2: The Drama Desk Awards. What's the most exciting part of your job?
7: Last year, my job at the award show was to sit in the front row and help the winners up the stairs um, as yes, they got their that's awards. that's important. Yeah. Um, the most exciting one was uh, Andy Carl. Uh, yeah, and groundhog when he, day. When he decided to go get his award, he did a fake fall to kind of make fun of the fact that he had just hurt his leg and he was, missed a couple performances, but he unfortunately also kicked my husband in the face who was sitting oh. next to me.
2: Uh, <laughs> was your, is your husband okay? Uh, he's
7: fine, Yeah. <laughs>
2: Very good. Okay, remember, Lindsay and Dara, the first few who wins two of our games will go to our final round. Let's go to your first game. So we've got a word game for you called Stars and Candy Bars. In this game, every answer is the name of a celebrity mashed up with a famous candy brand.
1: So if we said, this chocolate-covered coconut candy bar has almonds plus a longtime host of The View, you would answer, Almond Joy Behar.
2: Okay, take your time. (laughs) You're going to ring in to answer and here we go. This TV host and cook is extra yummo when she adds chocolate covered raisins to her recipes. <phone rings> Lindsay. Uh, Raisinets. Rachel Raisinets. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Rachel Ray plus Raisinets. That's right. This Fast and Furious actor
1: had a feud with The Rock over these candies that led E.T. to Elliot.
2: They're not sure. Should we give them a hint? Sure, let's give them a hint. The actor is known by one name, is also a model and a rapper. The candy resembles M&M's. I think that's great. I think I did great. You gave a lot of clues. Dara. (laughs) M&M's? Uh, I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Good guess. Lindsay, can you steal? Um, Mr.
1: Skittles. (laughs) Mr. Skittles for Skittles. Right, it's a mashup of the famous uh, one-word actor, Mr. (laughs) And the candy, Mr. Skittles.
2: Uh, I'm sorry, you both are incorrect. I do appreciate the thought you put into that. Um... (laughs) We were looking for Tyrese's Pieces.
1: This primetime CNN anchor sucks on these yellow, sour citrus candies from Ferrara. Tara? Don Lemonheads?
2: Yeah, that's correct. I know, you just wiped your forehead of sweat because this is intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This woman can do it all, sing C'est Si Bon, play Catwoman, voice the villain in the Emperor's New Groove, and give you a break, give you a break. Lindsay. Eartha Kit Kat? Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) This actress from Alias, 13 Going on 30, and the Capital One commercials downs a handful of these tiny, colorful, candy-coated treats give you a hint. Candies usually come in boxes that have two different flavors in them. Lindsay. Jennifer Garnards. Yeah, that's right.
2: I always thought those things, you just put them at the bottom of your aquarium. But... <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> you can and then, and then the next day they're all gone.
2: <laughs> they're all gone. <laughs> this
1: is your last clue. This Thor Heartthrob loves hard caramels in gold wrappers. Four. Oh, Lindsay. Oh. Chris mm-hmm. Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Worthers. Chris Hems Worthers. Yeah.
2: That's right.
1: Wow. I fear how did they do in this game?
2: Ah, uh, that was a really hard game, everyone. They yeah. did amazing. Uh, Lindsay, congratulations. You are one step closer to our final round. Hey, trivia nerds and film buffs. We are coming to the Nantucket Film Festival on June 21st. For ticket information or to be a contestant, go to amatickets.org. Coming up, Rolling Stone, music writer Rob Sheffield joins us to confront Jonathan Coulton about all of the classic songs he's ruined over the years. I'm Ophira Eisberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR.
5: This message comes from NPR sponsor FX, presenting the next installment of Fargo. Family is complicated. Crime is organized. The all-new Fargo takes you to 1950s Kansas City, where two criminal syndicates have struck an uneasy truce as they both fight for their piece of the American dream. Chris Rock and Jason Schwartzman star in this original tale of immigration, assimilation, and power. The fourth installment of Fargo premieres with back-to-back episodes Sunday, September 27th at 9 p.m. on FX and streams next day FX on Hulu.
1: This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
4: Thank you, Jonathan.
2: Before the break, we met our contestants, Lindsay and Dara. Next, we'll play a game about songs of the summer, which, with how climate change is going in 10 years, might be Frosty the Snowman. (laughs) Let's check in with our contestants. Lindsay, uh, what's on your beach hang playlist? There's this song I heard in Master of None
1: called Okay, Okay. And I don't know the artist, but it's, it's pretty
2: bad, but pretty good at the same time. Right, <laughs> Dara, what's on your beach hang playlist?
7: For the last few years, Cool for the Summer by Demi Lovato has been my go-to <laughs> summer song. I need a summer song with lesbian undertones.
2: <laughs> your next game is called Don't You Wish Your Music Parody Game Was Hot Like This? <laughs> Lindsay, you won the last game, so you win this, and you're in the final round. Every song parodied in this game is a favorite summer jam, as selected by Rolling Stone music writer Rob Sheffield. And to provide commentary, please welcome the author of Dreaming the Beatles, now in paperback. Happy to have you, Rob Sheffield. Thank you. Thank you. you. All right, Rob, what makes a great summer song?
4: It should be associated with really dubious memories. So, you know, a, a summer song reminds you of, oh, that hideous tattoo I should not have gotten, or that that tragic fling, or that hickey of absolutely unknown origin. (laughs) Oh. So something about a summer song should remind you of things you really want to forget. That's
1: (laughs) ideal. Well, the thing about a summer jam is, at the beginning of the summer, you really like it, and then gradually (laughs) over the course of the summer, it gets more and more annoying until by the end of the summer, you're completely sick of it. So... We rewrote Rob Sheffield's favorite summer songs to be about various summertime annoyances. Just ring in to tell me what I'm singing about, and then for a bonus, you can identify the original song or artist I'm parodying. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Boy, I spent a lot of time in the pool. Should have used my plugs, I'm an infected fool. Now I've got that funga 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 fungi or bacteria. Funga 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 fungi, trouble hearing you. Dara. Athlete's foot. That's a- <laughs> I know I said, the- I said the word fungi a lot. That's a very good guess. But that's not what we were looking for. Lindsay, do you know the answer? Swimmer's ear? Swimmer's ear is correct.
6: <laughs> yeah.
2: You never forget your first ear infection, do you? (laughs) No. And for a bonus point,
1: can you name the song or the artist?
7: Uh, Super Bass?
1: Yeah, that's right. Nicki Minaj.
4: (laughs) Nicki Minaj, the queen, who has a summer jam pretty much every summer. Yeah. That was her first solo hit, Super Bass, in 2011. And she has a new summer jam that she just released with Lil Wayne called Rich Sex, which is filthy. In fact... (laughs) I don't think there's a single line from it that I can quote. All
2: right,
4: here's your your next one.
1: I forgot that big ass beach hat. Now my skin is red from UV rays, radiation strikes on these dog days. Lindsay. Sunburn? Sunburn is correct. (laughs) For a
4: bonus point, can you name the song or the artist? I cannot. Okay. No. Rob, why don't you tell us what that song is? Miley Cyrus. Yes. We uh... Can't Stop. The artist formerly known as Hannah Montana. <laughs> <laughs> she, she did that great live version of it on MTV uh, that summer where she was twerking with the giant psychedelic teddy bears.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
4: it was absolutely bizarre. I loved it. <laughs> like, her dad was in a David Lynch movie, and the David Lynch movie was maybe 10% as surreal. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your next one. Got me feeling
1: so itchy right now. These bumps got me acting so twitchy right now. But things aren't so bleak right now. I don't have what's Nile or Zika right now. Dara. Mosquito Bites. Oh, yeah, Mosquito Bites. That's correct. <laughs> For a bonus point, can you name the song or artist?
4: Crazy in Love. Yeah, that's right, Beyonce. Beyonce with Jay-Z. I know. Who she ended up marrying. Mm-hmm. And then in the last couple of years, she did a concept album about him cheating on her. And yeah. he did a concept album begging her for forgiveness. Yeah. And now they're on tour together.
2: I wish I could only talk to people through my concept album. <laughs> How am I doing? You'll find out.
1: I was like, good gracious, heat is tenacious. Roll the windows down, I can't face this. Bucket seats will burn my hide. Got a greenhouse effect inside. Dara.
7: Really hot inside your
1: car. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Can you name the song or the artist?
4: I can't. Oh. Sorry. Oh. Well, oh, people are losing so it so in this song. <laughs> <audience. it is. laughs> Rob, who was that? It's getting... Hot in here. Mm -hmm. So take off all your clothes. Bye, Nelly, the great uh, St. Louis rapper. It's one of my karaoke go-tos. Yeah. Uh, What a room clearer. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yes, once once I start urging people to remove clothing because of the the excessive temperature, people remember something they really have to do out (laughs) on the sidewalk. Yeah. All right,
1: this is your last clue.
4: Drip, drip.
1: I'm a mammal. It's my gland's vocation. Drip, drip. Most of you are my pores from my regulation. Drip, drip. I'm drenched now. Got the diaphoresis. Drip, drip. My speed stick failed, but it should have stopped this, damn it. Lindsay. Sweating? <laughs> Sweating is correct. Uh, for a bonus point, can you name the song or artist?
4: Yeah, by Usher. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Mr. Romance, Usher. So smooth, always. Perfect song. It's where he teamed up with Lil Jon, the king of crunk music, whose albums include Crunk Juice and Crunk Rock. The best. And Kings of Crunk, and of course, We Still Crunk. <laughs> In case you had doubts about his ongoing loyalty to the crunk concept, God bless that I man, believe, I believe. Keeping the crunk alive.
2: Uh, Before I reveal the winner, Rob, thank you so much for letting us ruin some of your favorite music. Thank
4: you. Thank you.
2: Can I convince you to stick around for another quick game?
4: Yes, of course. All right,
2: fantastic. Well done, both of you. Uh, But congratulations, Lindsay. You are going to be moving on to our final round. While Doug and Lindsay get ready for the final round, it's time for us to play a game with Rolling Stone music writer Rob Sheffield. And congratulations, Rob. Your book, Dreaming the Beatles, was released in paperback this week. Thank you. So, its I mean, it is fair to say there are a lot of books about the Beatles out there. Uh, and your book is... Different in the sense that you're talking about how this music persists through time and is relevant and still loved 50 years later.
4: Well, it's crazy that the Beatles are still the most popular group in the world, that they still keep getting more popular than ever. There is nothing else in, in anywhere in our culture that's like this. There's no Beatles of movies. There's no Beatles of cookies you don't think chocolate chip might be the, the cookies of Beatles? Close. You know? I think chocolate chip are the Beach Boys, and maybe Oreos are Aerosmith? Um. I feel like you are
2: writing a game right now. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rob, your Meet the Expert quiz is all about artists you've written about, so it's basically uh, anything, because you've written about so many artists. So let's start with some Beatles. A popular Beatles conspiracy theory suggests that at the end of the song, Strawberry Fields Forever, You're Smiling, John Lennon is saying, I buried Paul. But according to a Rolling Stone interview with Paul McCartney from 1974, what is Lennon really saying?
4: Cranberry sauce.
2: Cranberry sauce is correct
4: because it was around Thanksgiving that the outtakes were later like bootlegged and you can hear they're talking about in America it's this nutty holiday they have called Thanksgiving where they eat cranberry sauce and and so a couple times during the jam John says cranberry sauce
2: You are a well documented fan of Taylor Swift Yes So tell me what is Taylor Swift's lucky number?
4: Her lucky number uh, is 13
2: That is correct Tell us a little bit more of why that is her lucky number.
4: She was born on the 13th. That's correct. Uh, And 13 has always been a number that she proudly represents. Yeah,
2: she has a pre-show ritual where she paints the number 13 on her hand.
4: She has a lot of rituals.
2: In 2018, Cardi B became only the second female artist to hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 with a rap song. Who was
4: the first? I'm going to guess Nicki Minaj. Good guess.
2: Uh, I'm going to give you a hint. The year was 1998. The song featured on an album with the word "miseducation" in the title.
4: Lauren Hill. Yeah,
2: Lauren Hill. Yeah, Lauren Hill was the other one. So got
4: to be doo that thing. That's
2: right, do no,
4: The late 90s were such a golden age of female rappers. It was Lil' Kim yeah. and Foxy Brown and. Missy yeah, and, and right,
2: and yeah, and Lauryn Hill, and then 20 years later, Cardi B. Okay, this is your last one. According to Rolling Stone contributing editor David Wilde, in the 1990s, what gift did David Bowie unsuccessfully attempt to send him?
4: Uh, goodness gracious! Yeah, the 1990s—that was beard era Bowie. Uh, that was uh, uh, wow. I don't. Know. I'm going to give you a hint. Okay.
2: It didn't make it through border security.
4: Ooh, was it a live animal of some sort? Maybe? Close
2: enough, yeah, close enough, I would say. Uh, it was a pig fetus in a jar.
4: Wow, yeah. that David Bowie. He, that, yeah. What <laughs> a, a <nut>. card, yes.
2: <laughs> he saw it on tour, uh, and, you know... It, and thought, it, this it,
4: reminds <laughs> me of a beloved friend.
2: <laughs> it lo- pig
4: fetus <laughs> under pressure, this pig fetus.
2: The fetus was under pressure. Did you ever get any weird presents from anyone?
4: The closest I ever came was uh, I wrote about beloved uh, British pop star Robbie Williams. Uh, when he released his first U.S. album, it was called The Ego Has Landed. and I wrote about how brilliant it was. And then I woke up one morning and I found a bouquet of flowers on my doorstep with the little note from Robbie Williams saying, Thank you for knowing. Yes, oh, that's very it's, nice. it's the only time a pop star has ever sent me flowers. That's a
2: class act right there. That, that is, is Robbie a class... Williams.
4: Yes, Robbie that is a Williams. class act. Yes,
2: Rob's latest book, Dreaming the Beatles, just came out in paperback, and you can read his writing on music and television in Rolling Stone all the time. Rob Sheffield, everybody. Yeah. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, Doug Dale, who sells Ruth Bader Ginsburg action figures. And Lindsay Martinez, her jujitsu secret is not having balls. Okay, Lindsay, Doug, your final round is called Rock On. I'll give you clues that are synonymous with acts in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So if I said a corridor and cereal grains, you'd answer Hall and Oats. <laughs> and our big winner will receive an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube signed by Ed Helms and Rob Sheffield. We rolled a 20 sided die backstage, and Doug is going first. Let's go, Doug. Mary, mother of Jesus.
0: Wow. Madonna.
2: Correct. It's going to be okay, everybody. (laughs) Lindsay, son of a king. Prince. Correct. Doug, our planet... Breeze and flames.
3: Earth, wind, and fire.
2: Correct. Lindsay, the Velour London subway system.
6: The Velvet Underground.
2: That is correct. Doug, the mother of a beehive. Queen. Correct. Lindsay, circulatory muscle. Three seconds. Uh. Sorry, Lindsay. (laughs) We were looking for Hart, Doug, an Italian woman on June 21st. What?
0: (laughs) In some cases, Madonna.
2: (laughs) Sorry, that is incorrect. We were looking for Donna Summer.
1: Oh. (laughs) Lindsay,
2: tiny President Nixon. Three seconds. Sorry, we were looking for Little Richard. Oh. (laughs) We're at the halfway point. Doug is in the lead three to two. Doug, the small mats put under cups to protect the table. The coasters? Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay, the wildfire safety bear plus the family from Lost in Space. The wildfire. Safety Bear. You can prevent wildfires.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Three seconds. Um, Smokey Robinson. That is correct. <laughs> Doug, thick liquid that rises to the top of milk.
0: The cream, but that's not a band. Uh, Three butter seconds. The milk, the cream.
2: That is correct. Ah! Lindsay, you need to get this right or Doug wins the game. (sighs) Verdant 24-hour period. Green Day. That is correct. We're on the last question for each of you. Doug, if you get this right, you win the game. Doug, the highest class of chess player, plus a camera light and the angry quintet.
0: Grandmaster Flash and the Mad Five?
2: I'm sorry, that is incorrect. It was, it was really close. We're looking for Grand Master Flash and the Furious Five. Lindsay, you need to get this right, or Doug wins. Oh, my God. The very first name of the tennis player, Gene King, plus a festive day off. Billie Holiday. That is correct. You've done well at trading back and forth. (laughs) So we are coming to a tiebreaker question. So yes, hands on your buzzers. Here is your tiebreaker. Pistols and flowers. Doug. Guns and roses. That is correct. Good job, Lindsay. Congratulations, Doug. That's our show. Ask Me Another's house musician is Jonathan Colton. Hey, my name
1: anagrams to Val jolt a cannon.
2: Our puzzles are written by Kyle Beakley, Carol Lee, Ryan Leach, and senior writers Karen Lurie and Jake Keith Van Stratton, with additional material by Will Hines. Our acting senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Ask Me Another's produced by Sylvie Douglas, Mike Katzef, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Denny Shin, Romel Wood, and our intern, Georgia Wright, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Rick Kwan and David Hurtkin. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House, uh,
1: Hill Blues.
2: and our production partner, WNYC. I'm her right begonias, Ophira Eisenberg, and this was Ask Me Another from NPR. <laughs> Next time on Ask Me Another, joining us is actor Mary Wiseman from the CBS series Star Trek Discovery. She talks about the time she brought her boyfriend's mother to the set.
5: And she got to like sit in the captain's chair and she was like. (laughs) After we left, she said it felt like she was at church.
2: So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, for NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games and Trivia.